Well, yeah, a lot right of people don't really think about, you know, like if you were to think about your business as a living, breathing entity, which it is, then what's the quality of the relationship that you have with your business? Mm. Right? Like, are you a martyr to your business? Are you a rescuer mm. to your business? Are you trying to save your business? Are you trying to breathe life into your business all the time? Is your business driving all your decisions and making all your decisions on your behalf? Are you neglecting your business? Right. So when you start to look at this from the like from the paradigm of yes, you are in relationship to your business. Yeah. But how conscious is it today? Mm. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, founders, welcome to the show. Hello, founders. What's going on? I've got snow here in Colorado, Bob. Um, out my window, yeah. what's going on in uh, Chicago? Well, it's going to be funny to people listening to this in May. Oh, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> it's being recorded in the middle of February. But You're like, okay, so Bob and Brandon are quite far ahead in there. Yeah. But we're doing some travel, like we said that. a couple episodes ago. But uh, yeah, it's, it's dark and rainy here today. Ah. Um, wow. we uh, These interviews keep getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, they are. This, um, was, uh, this was another interview where... Uh, we we didn't physically get naked, but we certainly uh, spiritually got well. Not spiritually. What's the right way? It's it's uh, kind of all we got, of it. We got naked. We got naked. We got raw. And um, again, <clears throat> it every every conversation that we have, you continue to see the parallels between. It never ceases to amaze me that you know continuing the theme that entrepreneurship is life and it's parallel with our personal growth and spiritual growth and whatever type of growth we are into there's no separation um and uh, i really really appreciated our interview today with zion he's my new favorite samurai i'm gonna call him um but just talking about his his upbringing talking about um what is considered to be normal you know when you're in a fishbowl and then you you're out of that fishbowl and you realize, wow, what I consider to be normal wasn't necessarily healthy. Right. And going through the journey of healing that I thought was very fascinating. And then the parallels he made with um, his entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was some things here, um, you know, about showing up in relationships with other people. What's, what's my relationship to my business? Am I, is it abusive relationship? You know, yeah. Am I, am I showing up for my business? Like, these are all really like, like, wow, you know, this is, mm -hmm. this is stuff coming from uh, a guy who's 20 years our younger, who's, right. who's, who's teaching us. And uh, yeah, Zion got really uh, transparent and uh, was not holding back with some of the things that he's been dealing with and uh, well-adjusted guy where he's not broken in, in any sense, no more or less broken than any of us. But the mm -hmm. idea of, 
of what he's what he's dealing with and what he's being honest with himself about are, are things that you and I are working on and I know a lot of our audience is working on. So I think I think this is going to be a really inspiring interview. Um Zion Kim runs a uh an executive assistant uh placement firm and he gets into that in the interview and talks about how that's different than uh what you would consider to be a virtual assistant and some of the uh advantages that he uh has in his business versus maybe some others who who do that thing. Um so I I I'm really excited uh, to introduce somebody I just met, Brandon. You hung out with him at uh baby bathwater um i yeah. got to meet him for the first time just a really impressive young guy um new dad and yes. uh and and uh i think you're gonna enjoy this interview so um here's here's zion kim welcome zion kim my favorite samurai what's going on homie so good so good to be here we've got <laughs> uh you've got some news for us we might as well start it off with the amazing news i'll let you share uh yeah i'm uh almost Two weeks uh, with a new baby in the world. Awesome. Um, yeah, her name is Zaya. And, Lovely. you know, and she's absolutely perfect in, in all the ways. <laughs> and uh, it's been it's been quite the ride. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah. First Jenny. child is overwhelming. <laughs> um, I, I remember taking our daughter home for the first time and kind of going, holy cow. What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? We are now responsible for another human who can't oh take care of herself at right. all. Say goodbye to sleep. Say goodbye to, to your money, money, sleep. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and girls, you're just going to worry about them till the day they, uh, so you worry about yeah. them meeting the right guy. And then when they meet the guy, you worry that it's the right guy, you know, and then you worry that the guy's going to take care of her. It's just, that's just the circle of life for girl dads. So. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm pretty lucky for now uh, yeah. on, the, <laughs> on the sleep side of things. Good. good. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And been, been actually sleeping quite well. It's actually been a very smooth ride uh, all the way wood. through. Um, wood. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, and I and I hear things change, but for now I'm grateful for where we're at, where we're at. Perfect. That's perfect. perfect. Well, what's, what 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 else is going on? I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge thing, of course. But what what else is going on in your life? You're really excited about right now? Yeah. So, um, back in June, um, which hilariously enough is also the same time that we found out about Zaya. Uh -huh. uh, I stepped in as CEO of a business that I already had in my space. Uh, I launched it uh, with my brother. Uh, we source and train um, executive assistants now. Uh, back then, it was more you know just virtual assistants, but we really um, you know really shifted and changed the the business model quite significantly to really uh, make sure that we're serving leaders in a, a pretty significant capacity now. So that has been. Um, really, really exciting uh, because, you know, back uh, before that, I was running uh, four of my own companies and then coaching some private clients. So overall, uh, I kind of had my hands overseeing like about 10 companies at a time. So um, and then for me to go and operationalize them, manage them, run them, you know, it's like, wow, this is a lot of work, obviously. So I decided, hey, you know what, what if I just go back? And really just focus and nail this one role, everything from sourcing, managing, um, uh, sourcing, hiring, interviewing, 
uh, onboarding and managing the person, really just nail that entire thread all the way through every single part of it, and then be able to do it for other roles in the future. So, um, and, you know, and, and that's been really, really rewarding, right? Because a lot of my friends uh, are, are clients. And it feels mm. like uh, a really fun way that I get to take care of my friends through, you know, something that I've uh, surprisingly been really enjoying doing. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of been my my primary focus. And of course, we have a few portfolio companies uh, that I'm, um, you know, still work with on a, a biweekly, monthly basis or so. But this has definitely been my primary uh, number one focus. What was what was a catalyst, Zion? Because most of us are always juggling multiple opportunities, right? So it's almost mm. like we don't want to let something go just in case it hits, right? So we're always kind of like juggling plates. Yeah. Like what was the catalyst that made you go, you know what, damn it? Like I'm just gonna focus on this. Was was it like just overwhelming opportunity? Or I'd, I'd love to hear your mindset on that. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of multiplication and amplification through simplification, right? Mm, okay. And, you know, and the paradox of growth, and this is the same for scale and it's the same for why I made this decision is that by doing less and by simplifying your business, it's often uh, what actually creates the space and the capacity for you to grow faster and more significantly. So what I decided was, um, you know, it, it was really sitting with the question of, hey, I can go and sit with all these different opportunities, but if I spread my myself across all of them, will I really actualize the potential of each opportunity versus if I decide to go all in on something and, you know, let's say, um, you know, let's say I just did this for, uh, cause this, you know, I, I've been thinking about this for the last six months and I, I told myself, well, let's say I just focus on one company, right? One company for the next five to 10 years. Do I believe that uh, I can grow the company to, you know, at least a, you know, hundred million dollars, impact a ton of people, um, you know, get a nice exit. And then by that time I'm 40. So if that's the case, right? So 20 in my twenties, I spent all my twenties pretty much just learning and experimenting and trying all these things. And that's where I was completely unfocused. Um, and that's okay because I knew that I got to just pick up skills along the way, just learn and uh, be able to take all these things. And then so I said to myself, well, in my 30s, if I really just double down on what I know it works, really apply myself, really apply something and really build something that I'm proud of and that I deeply care about um, that uh, really outlasts me, then I know that I'll be successful, right? And in this particular, like those are my metrics for success. It's not even about how big it is. It's just, can I continue to make the impact that I set out for with the mission that we set out for, with the vision that we set out for and uh, be able to sustain that and be able to grow that without my involvement. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I came to that decision. You had mentioned just a second ago, and I, I want to know how common this is. So this concept of full circle. So Bob sure. and I were having a conversation before we got on about our own company, where the stuff we were talking about and attempting six years ago, and kind of got on put on hold and on pause, is now something we're circling back and revisiting and it's like, hmm, maybe we should flesh this out some more. We, we, we you know, we've done, we've done well. We, we, we've gotten, you know, we love our clients. We, we, we've done some really great work for them. And what we're seeing, what happens, I think, in so many businesses is you enter the market with 
a premium price, premium product, and then you have people who copy and, and nuance it and innovate in different ways, the price continues to come down, 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 not at a commoditization, but a you know how can we how can we deliver something comparable at a lower price and again i think there's there's something very healthy about that um sure. do you find that is that what i was hearing earlier is you kind of did a full circle you're kind of coming back to where you were maybe in the beginning uh after exploring all these other options and you say you know what i'm, I'm gonna come back to this i'm gonna lean into this really re-lean reinvest in this because yeah. of its simplicity because of is that what i was hearing or what um, you know, what, what's really interesting about that is um, I've wanted to build some type of staffing business for quite a few years. And if I look back on my career, look back on the trajectory, I truly believe that if I, if I started this company any earlier, that we would not be having the level of traction that we are now. Okay. Right. Um, and, and the biggest reason for this is because I had to develop a, a certain skill set and a certain competency level and a certain understanding of the psychology of how entrepreneurs and CEOs work. So, I mean, it's, it's a psychological perspective. It's the business acumen. It's the understanding of, you know, what is it like to really work with and manage a seven and eight figure and um, even nine figure business owner? And how do you really optimize their world? And until I went and did it several times, right? Several times working with several people, I didn't actually have the confidence in order to do so. So this business for me, um, you know, yes, we have to, you know, solve problems, think about solutions to them, but there's never a time I'm just sitting there, like at, asking myself, like, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> right? Like it, it's not, it's just not an occurrence, right? Like there's very much this flow of, okay, we have to do this next. I see this is next. This is where we have to build capacity. You know, this is what uh, we get to build now. So, um, you know, and 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 it really stems and root is rooted in my passion for like I love actually, uh, you know, helping people jobs and be successful in them, right? From a mentorship pr uh, perspective, I, I love this aspect of professional development and getting people to be more uh, valuable, right, in the marketplace and more impactful in the marketplace. And, and I think that, and, and so that's one side of the equation. Then the other side of the equation is being able to serve CEOs and entrepreneurs in a significant capacity, probably in the most intimate uh, capacity. And I think bringing all that together is what makes it really, really exciting. Love that. Love where did that. that, where did that excitement come from? Like, like the, you said you wanted, like you knew you wanted to be, or wanted to be part of staffing. Like, mm -hmm. is that something from your background? Um, no, I, you know, if anything, I would say that the idea of me being full-time on this business kind of scared me because I thought that I'd be bored. And honestly, huh. you know, as, as someone who grew up in chaos and, you know, um, no stranger to self-sabotage and, uh, adding in uh, a bunch of, you know, random distractions on my plate, um, the idea of me going all in on this one business, like scared the crap out of me. Cause I was like, can I really do this all day, every day? Sure. Right. So, um, will it you know, hold but, your interest? Is that what? Yeah. Will it, yeah, will yeah. It hold my yeah. interest. Okay. Yeah. Will it will and will it really flex uh, me in in all the different dimensions of who I am, how I be in the world, and and what that looks like? And I think that, um, you know, one thing that I I came to many many years ago 
um, not that many years ago, maybe like six years ago, when I was very much on this track of, you know, what's my purpose in the world, right? Like, what's my purpose in the world? How am I supposed to do this? Um, what am I supposed to be doing with my life and all this? Um, you know, I came across um, a book called the Bhagavad Gita, right? And at the same time, um, I was reading the great work of your life. So it's all around Dharma, right? Which is a direction yeah. and the purpose of life. And, you know, and this one thing stuck with me forever, which is, you know, you don't have the fruits of your labor, only the labor itself. Oh, so when, so when I came to this business, I literally just said, Hey, you know what, what would it look like if I just went all in? Hmm. Doesn't matter what comes out of it, but let me just give myself to this business. And, you know, and, and there's a, there's a really beautiful uh, aspect of creation, especially when it comes to an entrepreneur, because it's like, there's a part of my soul that is being infused here, right? It's, it's very much um, the, the reflection of the founder. It's a very much, this business is very much a reflection of me and how I think, how I do things, our processes and everything that we do. So, uh, and, and, and in that sense, it's like, yeah, this baby's very, uh, this business is very much my child. And now I'm seeing the reflection of the team, the culture, uh, and, and the operations and everything that exists and how it looks like. me. So I think that uh, across the board, um, yeah, there was, there was an interest and, you know, and there was certainly an interest that was peaked, um, just because I liked the idea of it. I don't think there was any other reason. Um, you know, oh, you know what it was? Um, I love the idea that I could make money when other people showed up to work. Mm. Okay. Yep. yep. That's essentially what staffing is, right? Staffing is yep. other people show up to work and you make money while that's happening. So that one thing kind of got me very excited uh, and interested. And on the other side of it, if I, I just knew that if I wanted to, you know, run a couple hundred, even a thousand companies one day, then, or, or whether it's my investments or my own companies or whatever it is, then working on this business will only help accelerate that, right? Mm -hmm. It will only help me from an operational perspective only help from um yeah so it'll just make my life easier right mm -hmm. so i said well if i can nail this one thing and we just know that we can do that and then i can keep going and nail other uh roles uh inside of a business then effectively it'd be much easier for me to to work with more companies in the future and i really love the idea as well mm -hmm. okay so now you brought it up zion self-sabotage and chaos that yeah, never you, happens. You, oh, you, you you open the can what? of worms. So <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about that because we we've all done this. So yep. we're gonna we're gonna put you on the spot, but just know that um, you're sharing stories all of us have. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. What what were some of the things you got yourself into that that uh, you that you learned some life lessons from? Um. Yeah. So I I would say that self sabotage for me is. Am I really able to live and reap the fruits of what I've sowed? But, right. And it's it's really, can I, and this is kind of what we've been, it's the theme of what we've been talking about, which is, can I just focus on one thing, make my life easy, right? Like to me, this is easy, right? This is yeah. me running on easy mode, running one company, growing one company, like that's life on easy mode, right? So if that's the case, then why then, can I just double down and keep planting so that the harvest down the road is uh, larger? But uh, but for most of my career, it's like the moment that shit's going well or 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 not, 
then I'll start adding more things in, right? And it's kind of like, when I think about it now, it's so ridiculous and I still have to catch myself where, you know, I look at my list of things I have to do for this one company, of all the different things that are open, the issues that exist and all the problems that still exist and whatever it is. And then there's a moment where I just forget that all those things exist over here. And then shiny object comes over here. It's like, fuck okay. it. Like, why don't I just go over here now and just do okay. this thing? Because it's so exciting. And there's all this opportunity because I'm amazing at selling myself <laughs> on, on what the vision is for this. There you go. Right. For this and, new thing, this new shiny object. Yeah. New shiny object. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can't relate at all. And Bob knows this. Right. Too, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's one. Right. That's yeah. that's one side of it. And honestly, the other side of it for me, um, I would say the biggest place of self-sabotage shows up for me is in my self-care. Mm. And I think this is probably where um, I've, I, I've had to do so much work around it. Because I used to sleep, what, like four to five hours a day for years. Right. Like my average amount of sleep that I've had has literally increased a full hour uh, in the last, you know, um, like to the point where it's actually pretty reasonable. Um, you know, and then I'll, and then I'll have- You've worked your way up to reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I actually sleep now, right? Like I, I used to go throughout my days being like super tired to the point where I didn't know what feeling rested was like. Mm. Like I didn't know how tired I was until, and how much I was just, you know, on, you know, coffee and stimulants and, uh, adrenaline and hormones just to get through the day. I didn't realize like how much of it was me riding this high and just going after it like moment after moment. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's literally, um, not, yeah. So it's a lot of it is self-care related. So it's sleep. It's like, uh, having an epic week and then all of a sudden binging on, on food to self-medicate. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I am, incredible at self-medicating when it comes to like food, right? Like food's the easy one. Like food's the one drug that no one talks about. <laughs> right. And, and it's my favorite. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, among all my favorites, but it, it, it's just what that one thing that I always come back to on. Okay. Well, you know, then, then it's just making sure that I can actually uh, not feel like shit the next morning. Right. Um, and I finally have a, a balance, I, I think, on that now. But for a while, I think that was that was super challenging, right? And and then some nights I'll just, um, yeah. And there've been plenty of nights where I just like want to party and like go out and you know have like and then you know just drink like crazy and whatever and you know tons of drugs. It's like you know wake up the next day. It's like what, what am I doing? What right? have I done? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Interesting in that regards, <clears throat> we have a note here that your favorite food is ramen. So I, I'm curious to know what a ramen bender looks like for you. You know, <laughs> but oh, uh, <laughs> it's just it's just extra noodles and extra soup. Love it, and love it. It's 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 ramen with extra noodles and extra soup, and then there's another side dish, and then another side dish, and then that's just like an obscene amount of food for one person, <laughs> right? Like one ramen bowl is enough as a meal. Let alone I have to like add yeah. something else yeah. and something else, something else. And yeah. And then that's the bender for sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, we talk about self-care and, and so many of our interviews and so much of our experience in this, you know, Bob and I are always talking about <clears throat> the spiritual aspect 
<laughs> excuse me, the self-improvement, the, the personal development aspect of business and entrepreneurship. It is the world's best, you know, uh, personal development course around. And we're right. always trying to evaluate our own resistance and head trash, whatever you want to call it around there. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Like I, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm not hearing anything like terribly, you know, destructive. Like I'm going to <laughs> Vegas, you know, I'm getting a bunch of hookers and blow and from locking myself in a weekend, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't sound like you're going to that extreme, but, uh, just not anymore. <laughs> right. Um, when, okay. During, during lockdown. Yeah. Like the amount of substances that oh. I took on a every other day situation. Okay. Um, you name it, right? Yeah. Like mixed cocktails, whatever. Um, I have experimented with everything and all the above. It's like all the letters of the alphabet, right? <laughs> um, you know, my partner jokes with me because, you know, she's like, uh, you know, she's she's a medicine woman, um, but only works with ayahuasca. Okay. Okay. Right? So she's, she's literally sat with ayahuasca well over 50 times. It's the only medicine she works with. And, and then, so the way she'll, you know, talk about this with other people is like, you know, I'm very much one and I go deep. Zion has experimented with everything. Ah. So yeah. Hence why, yeah. When you're on all that stuff, it's, you know, it's super hard to sleep. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, more like deeper than self uh, deeper than self-sabotage is is really the theme of self-betrayal. Uh, self-betrayal, mm. and it's really looking at well, I optimize my life <laughs> for a significant period of time uh, for hedonism and and fun, right? Like, is it right? It's just how many how many women can I be with? Like how many like how many times can I go out? Like every single meal is just decadent and awesome and epic and you know and um yeah it was just a, a, like it's all short-term pleasure all of it like my life was optimized for short-term pleasure i was was this post-college because i know because i know you got you got booted out of business school oh this, this is in this college post-college i mean this this is arguably yeah. up until maybe like a year and a half to two years ago interesting Hey, Zion has been uh, a really fantastic guest, really transparent, um, and really reflects a lot of the journey that uh, each of us is on in personal discovery, business discovery. Um, we're all evolving. And uh, Zion is really in tune with, with how entrepreneurs think and, and the things they need. And one of the things they do need is assistance. Um, and Zion runs in an executive assistant placing firm and you heard him talk about um, how he trains his assistant to really come in and start working with you from day one. Um, a lot of us are resistant to hiring an assistant because, hey, we got to train them. You know, it's almost too much trouble for what it's worth. Uh, Zion's team has solved a lot of those problems. So uh, the best place to find Zion these days, if you go to Facebook.com, the old Facebook, and it's Zion.Kim. So if you go to Facebook and look up Zion.Kim, uh, you'll be able to find him um, and, and follow him and get more information about his company. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, 
Bob Brignaris and Brandon Boyd. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Um, what t- tell us? You said you you mentioned earlier you you grew up in chaos. Can you talk a little bit about what well, you know when you said that? I'm like, oh, okay. This is why he's perhaps in the business of turning chaos into something yeah. manageable for pe- for other people because it's not the same thing is chaos right it's it's managing a level of chaos um you want to talk uh, about that a little bit yeah for sure so um so my my brother was going through a coaching program and in it um you know what they ask you to do is to have clearing conversations and he decided that I was one of the people that he should have a clearing conversation with. Right. And, you know, and he just apologized for certain things. And, you know, and when we went deeper into that conversation, he's like, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I do. But there used to be this room in the, you know, we used to live in this tiny house, right? It's not even the size of this floor that I'm, I'm, I'm on in this house, right? Like this background, it's, it's tiny, right? It's less than a thousand square feet. And, you know, and there, like between my mom's room and my parents' room and um, our room, there was a door that opened up to the boiler room. And what he shared was that, that we used to have this little table that used to go into the boiler room where I used to be. Right. Where, you know, I get locked in there to study and work and whatever and like for punishment, all these types of things. Right. So I was um, I had a lot of abuse uh, growing up. Right. With this disciplinary abuse, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, it was quite significant. And I literally did not remember this room. At wow. all. Right? I didn't remember this mm. room at all. And we literally pulled up a blueprint of this apartment online and he marked it for the different models. Cause it's, you know, one of those, like, um, uh, yeah, it was one of the, in, in like one of those apartment complexes. So they had the blueprints online and he marked it with a star. And as we're having this conversation, I feel this exhaustion in my body. And what happened in that moment is that my body remembered. Ooh. Mm. Right? My body remembered. I did not. My intellectual mind like literally blocked this this out. In fact, it blocked so much out that I didn't know how much was actually blocked out. Right? But I felt it so deeply that like I knew the truth of it, right? Like I remember days where, you know, like I remember like this the when I had it the worst, I couldn't walk the next day. Oof. And I was 7. Right? So, you know, so when you have a, a history of physical, you know, physical abuse, like we're talking bad, right? So in Korean culture, right? Um, in, in Korean culture, there's this one um, disciplinary thing that they, that's very, very common where you kneel on your, where you kneel, right? And you raise your hands and, um, and, and you keep them up for X period of time, right? And then when I would cry, I'd get hit, right? Wow. If if I'm crying, I would get hit, and then or more time gets added on. So then, you know, so I, I was speaking to a friend one day, and you know, she actually asked me, right? She's like, "Oh, have you ever been abused before?" It's like, no, never, mm. I've never been abused before. And then, you know, I started speaking, and then I started, and this was about 
this was in December of 2019, right? So I, I then started saying, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was younger, like I got my ass beat a lot and got yelled at a lot. And as these words left my mouth, I was like, oh, wow. Mm. Right. Because in my mind, right, in, 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 in our culture, in a lot of cultures growing up, we don't label this or bucket this as abuse. Mm -hmm. It's discipline. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Like, in fact, there were so many times that I was grateful for this level of discipline because I was like, man, what would else, what else would I have turned out as instead? Mm -hmm. oh. Right. And, and it's, and this is the shit that when we're growing up, right. With, uh, with other Asians or other Korean folks or whatever, it's like, we joke about this shit. It's like, oh yeah, we got our ass beat, blah, blah. This is what it used to look like, you know, but then she used to, and then, um, you know, back to the exercise, it's like, okay, well, whenever I'm crying, all of a sudden I get my ass beat, uh, add more time, whatever it is. And, you know, she said one thing, she's like, and you wonder why it's difficult for you to express your emotions. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so, um, yeah, so that, that was one element of it. Right. The other side of this was I was, I woke up to my parents arguing and screaming at each other every single day for until I moved out of the house mm. uh, until I went to college. Right. Um, and you know, and I, and I, and as, as I reflect this a little bit more, it's like, I never had safety in anything because in any moment, <clears throat> in any moment, I said something or, uh, or said something or did something, boom, reaction, something, right? So, you know, so a lot of the last few years have truly just been uh, um, kind of unraveling that and looking at, oh, okay, so this is who I am today. These are a lot of the things that I experienced and, you know, and, and I just, and, and just learning to process that. Right. While wanting and desiring to continue to build a relationship with my parents. Um, because at the end of the day, I also knew that this is what they knew. Mm. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's just, in, uh, it's just ancestral, cultural, generational lineage patterns. And, you know, so from that perspective, it's like, I very much chose not to resent them. And of course I have the moments of like, you know, wanting to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And one day I even asked my dad, you know, I said, you know, Hey, like, did you never see what was going on? Mm. And he's like, what do you mean? It's like, that never happened. Mm. Wow. So, wow. so now there's a whole, you know, this was, and this was a conversation that I had um, in 2020, right? Um, like September of 2020. And I was floored, right? It's like, because in his world, none of this even existed, right? Mm. So, um, <clears throat> so when we look at, so when I look at my history um, of time, and then of course, you know, there's a lot of other things of like needing validation and approval, because um, that was the way that I received security is the way that I received love, right? So uh, validation became a massive driver for how yeah. I operated, right? Yes. Um, and my lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was, <clears throat> I was 
so sheltered and it was so you're sheltered from everything that, you know, it, it's the classic story of the person who grew up under all the strict things. And when they go to college, they go nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, that was me in a nutshell. Mm. Interesting. It's, it's, it's so interesting to me. And it doesn't surprise me that your partner's a medicine woman. Um, <laughs> whatsoever right a healer a healer yeah Yeah. um it's also interesting that something that was so normalized it wasn't even noticed right it wasn't noticed by you wasn't noticed by your father right um it's like that's a huge blind spot so it, it was such an ingrained habit that this is how a family dynamic functions that there was no you know awareness of oh my gosh is there a better way or is there a more healthier way for all of us not just for you as as a a child but Mm -hmm. marriage dynamic you know is is there some healthier so the craziest thing so the the craziest thing about this is when i started to experience my friend's parent in front of me Mm. and i saw them interacting with their kids And I was, I had never experienced an an interaction where the kid did something quote unquote bad, where it didn't result in an explosion of sorts. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. So for me to actually see someone talking to their (laughs) child calmly and lovingly, (laughs) it, it honestly blew my mind. Hmm. Right. Like that, that level of, um, yeah, that, that level of affirmative conversation and, and, um, and, you know, reflective, uh, parenting and essentially coaching the, the kids. I never experienced that. Right. So I'm so blessed and I feel so blessed by the fathers, uh, that I get to be around to just really shift my paradigm of what that looked like. Right. Um, yeah, because I didn't, because you don't know what you don't know. Like, I don't know what I didn't know. Right. right. And, but it wasn't until I experienced it, like, oh, you know, like, because um, what I also didn't, so this is another thing that my coach told me was, you know, the only reason why people are ever with people that yell at them mm. is because that's what they grew up, that's because that's what they grew up with and they're able to tolerate it. Right. So it's normal. It feels normal normal to you. Right. Right. So my last relationship, uh, you know, before my current one, like I was very much in relationship with, you know, the raging feminine, right. The, the, Mm. the angry feminine Mm. and that, you know, (laughs) that was right. And I didn't, cause I didn't, I didn't, cause it was almost on day one, right. It was almost on day one of my conversation with her where she yelled at me, right? My last partner yelled at me. I told her, Hey, like, I'm really not available for yelling inside the relationship. And then, you know, she turned to me and said, Hey, you know what? Like, this is who I am. And if you can't deal with it and you can't accept me for where I'm at, then this isn't going to work out. And then I realized that, that relationship went on for three years. We're engaged. We had two miscarriages together. Mm-hmm. 
And I realized that the self-betrayal started on day one mm. because I was too afraid of letting her go and to stand up for myself to desire something more because I didn't know that more existed at the time. Mm. Cool. Right? Yes. And I then when I, that. and then when I broke things off, the biggest fear that I had was would I be, will I find someone that can love me yep. as I am mm. just as much as she did? I didn't believe it. Mm. Right. You had, you had no, you had no paradigm that showed you that was even possible. No, because every relationship that I had before that, I was basically in a relationship with my mom. Right. Yeah. So yes. It's, it's very yes. much that, that dynamic. So, and you were you know, emotionally so, trained. Well, you were trained to shut yourself down as the yeah. protection mechanism. Oh yeah. So it was never in your, it was never in your operating system to defend yourself because that would result in more punishment. Oh, absolutely. So, so, right, so it's like, let me not, let me, I, I know the landmine is there. I'm just going to look at it and stare at it because I'm not going to address this right now because I know how that's going to go. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, which, of course, then, um, yeah, I, I lost my power in the relationship. I lost my voice in the relationship. I lost my ability to ask for what I wanted to mm -hmm. be able to speak truth into things, which led me into, um, you know, led me out of integrity in the relationship. Um, you know, and, you know, we had rules, but we were monogamish. Right. Mm -hmm. So every, anytime that she went out of town, I'm just like, okay, like, where do I go? How do I go hook up with some girls? How do I do this? Like, what do I gotta do now? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was my pattern for years. Right. So, um, yeah. So numbing, numbing, right. Like the pattern of numbing with something I, I think existed for quite a long time. And it's something that, um, I still, right? Just keep my eyes wide open to knowing that it's there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You said numbing. I think uh, I was out of a long-term relationship too, a few years ago. And what I, in a very similar pattern of not showing up for myself, not asking for what I wanted. Um, I was following a narrative where, you know, I, I call it the, the volunteer martyr where yeah. you, and, and, I think for men, this kind of narrative where you lay down for your partner and and you do whatever and you sacrifice is some kind of a narrative that's been perpetuated. And, yeah. and maybe there's some good things about that, but I think there's a lot of really lousy things about that. Yeah. Um, afterwards, there was there was there was definitely numbing the pain. And on the other side of that, there was this incredible craving for validation. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know that I was felt worthy, felt attractive, felt interesting um, to the opposite sex. I wanted that. Yeah. And, and it, and it took some time and then finally realizing after, after um, exploring that for a while that, it, I mean, actually recently it was like, you know what? I don't need that anymore. I want mm -hmm. it. I like yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. And that was a huge, yeah. wonderful shift to say, okay, I've got enough validation from external sources. Yeah. I'm going to own my own validation. Yeah. And that uh, it was took a, me a lot. Shift. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it took me a lot to, to get there. Um, Cause you know, my, my side is really from 
um, growing up Asian, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the Asian male demographic is literally, you know, like statistically <clears throat> the least desired demographic. Mm. Like, so on every matching site, whatever it is, you can look up the stats. It's like the Asian male mm. is the least matched with period, right? There's, there's an image of the um, Asian male in society as a subservient, quiet male that's not able, you know, um, that uh, very much perpetuates a stereotype, right? It's a smart, nerd type person. Right. So you're growing all ninjas. Up, you're all ninjas and kung fu masters. Yeah, <laughs> all of us, right? Um, and it doesn't help that you know I was and all those other things, but uh, outside of that, <laughs> that, that um, actually was. Yeah, you actually are. I, that's all yeah, I want right? to so, hear about that too. Um, you know, but like the I, I very much growing up didn't have a, a high regard of self esteem. Uh, for that. And the way that I received my, the most amount of validation was through women. Right. So the pursuit of women mm-hmm. to receive that validation became such a, a, a massive focus mm-hmm. uh, for me in my world. And granted, I, I built beautiful uh, friendships and relationships through that, uh, you know, this, this time around, but you know, it was just like, Hey, how many threesomes can I have? How many, <laughs> Um, you know, how many different people can I have on the rotation this week? Yeah. Uh, how much, you know, and, uh, and yeah. And it's just looking at, um, yeah, but it was very much like, it, it required a lot of it for me to even have the confidence, to, like go up to someone. Right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, you have to <laughs> stack the evidence in your favor, right? Like, the whole thing with imposter syndrome and all this other shit, right? It's like yeah. I had to stack the evidence in my favor until I could just absolutely not refute it. Yes, hundred percent. Right? And, and that's that's pretty it. much why I had to do in, in every every area of my life. And that's that's not different for that one. That's I I completely resonate with that. Um, hundred percent. I get it. The, the other thing too is what I've learned is I had a habit of of shaming my past. Oh, you know, Brandon, you were just doing this. You were just doing that. And I, in, in, I've done a lot of medicine work as well. And it's like, no, don't shame that version of you that needed what it needed, wanted what it wanted in its, mm-hmm. in the moment in order to get where you are now, where you don't need the yeah. external anymore. You don't need the mirror to reflect anymore. You're, you're not worshiping the mirror. You're worshiping, you're saying, Hey, I, I got this. Okay. I don't need that validation. I need, I've proved it to myself. I don't need the validation. Now I can, now I can, I can want or like some, you know, validation at at times, but I don't need it. And, and what I'm, what I'm hearing in your story is, is I hear a similar in mine is, is is simply like, Hey, it's, it's okay. What you did was okay. It it was a part of your journey. It was a part of your evolution. It was a part of getting you where you are today and your realization. And 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 I honor yeah, that. and I had a blast, right? So yeah, I was like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I had a shit ton of fun. I was living yeah. like I lived the best bachelor life that I could have possibly crafted for myself <laughs> before I, you know, decided to enter partnership mm-hmm. uh, in a really. Um, yeah, and and really choose into it, right? And mm-hmm. even then, you know, it's like uh, reintegrating all those parts of me of of really choosing into okay, like this is this is what I'm choosing into, and I get to leave behind um, certain aspects of um, who I was, 
Um, and then noticing, yeah, noticing how much of, yeah, just like my energy and aliveness that I felt through the pursuit and the chase of that validation, right? Whether it's through women or business, quite sure. frankly. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I know I am. I really enjoy getting into the depth of the journey of life and entrepreneurship. Um, one thing I appreciate about what Zion is talking about with his businesses is taking a holistic approach to executive assistant and being able to support that human who is trying to juggle all different aspects of life and create systems and have uh, people and, and methodologies that support them. When I think of that, I think of also what video does for the people that we serve is video is a way to repeat yourself. It's a way to make yourself evergreen online so that when there's not enough of you to go around, video can duplicate and repeat you and your sales message so that people can understand where you're at, understand the problems you solve, see the evidence, and by the time they get on a phone call with you, they're convinced. They are already ready because they've. You, you don't have to repeat yourself on the phone. You don't have to go to that sales meeting and try to repeat you over and over and over again. It's already done and that's what video does for you. It captures you, your essence, your resonance with your target market. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, something that should, you should maybe consider a little bit, let's get on a call. Uh, go to feedstories.com. Let's book a call with Bob and I, and let's talk about how we can repeat your sales cycle, who you are, and capture it in video. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. So take in, take in these experiences, and that's just really great of you to be honest and transparent. That's just I'm just, I, I just really want to say, I respect you for sharing these things. How, how has that carried you now? You said it's kind of been about 18 months or so. Like yeah. how, how we know what it's doing in your personal life. You know, you're, you're in a great partnership. You're, you're a dad now. Um, yeah. How is, how are you carrying this and applying this to your entrepreneurial pursuits? Is, uh, are, are you, are you a different entrepreneur today than you were 18 months ago? Yeah, I have a lot more time on my hands. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, okay. I, Just practically, and, right? Yeah. So, so on a very pragmatic level, um, I have a lot more time and energy that's not going to you know five, six, seven, eight plus other individuals, right? In in life. Interesting. And and don't get me wrong, like these were beautiful, uh, absolutely beautiful, wonderful relationships that really helped to help me strengthen my ego and identity. Right, in a healthy way, right? To really, and they're super, like so many, you know, women in this in this particular time period, um, were very affirming, right? Constantly reflecting back, like all the parts of me. So I feel like it really helped me um, center into who I actually am, right? And and I and I felt that I really needed that, and I I think I learned that. Um, you know, words of affirmation <laughs> became a really <laughs> significant love language for myself. Um, you know, but I would say that, um, you know, the one thing that I got a lot of practice when, in terms of muscle was, uh, I also treated all the women in my life extremely well, right? Like I, I try to be as, uh, chivalrous as possible. Like I'm, I very much, uh, lived inside of anticipatory care, um, you know, wanting to make sure that, yeah, I can, uh, open the door. 
right? They open the car door, open the, the restaurant door, you know, order the food, you know, just really live in my masculine and help make decisions so that they can really rest in their feminine and know that I have everything taken care of. Um, you know, and that was a, a powerful thing to, to really live in. Right. And, you know, and I would say that that one thing, that muscle has definitely translated more into business on really just looking at, well, how can I apply giving a shit as a competitive differentiation in mm, our business? Yeah. yeah. Love that. Right. But, you know, but when, when giving a shit equals sex, it's a high motivator, right? <laughs> um, and now, you know, now, of course, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, Renata, my partner, says that, um, you know, pampering is her love language, you know, which is mm. great, right? So it's just, you know, what's the level of care and devotion that I could really share with her um, today and, and really make sure that all her needs are taken care of and make sure that I can be fully present, you know, to her needs and desires and, and make sure that she feels fully supported. And, um, and, you know, so in partnership, I think that's, that's one side of it. And then understanding the joys of what that depth looks like. Right. So I think that it's a similar journey on both the relationship side of things of, you know, really choosing monogamy for the first time in, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years of my life, mm -hmm. uh, and also choosing monogamy when it comes to business, mm. right. And, and looking at, wow. well, Right. How can I all really offer up all of me to these one and one things? Right. That's an amazing analogy. Profound. Yeah. Business I'm, monogamy. Haven't heard that before. I haven't not heard that before. That's a that's a new term. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't really think about, you know, like if you were to think about your business as a living, breathing entity, which it is then what's the quality of the relationship that you have with your business? Mm. Right? Like, are you a martyr to your business? Are you a mm. rescuer to your business? Are you trying to save your business? Are you trying to breathe life into your business all the time? Is your business driving all your decisions and making all your decisions on your behalf? Are you neglecting your business? Right? So when you start to look at this from the, like, from the paradigm of, yes, you are in relationship to your business, yeah. but how conscious is it today? Mm. I love it. I love it. How much are you investing? How much, where do, where, where do you not feel capable of investing? Right. You know? Right. Um, and, and are you getting help? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you know, and this is the most fucked up part about when I finally started to take my relationship seriously. Um, not this one, but my previous one was, you know, someone told me, um, you know, someone told me, you know, Zion, your relationship is one of the most important sandboxes for you to learn how to be a better leader in business. Because mm. every single issue that exists in your relationship, a thousand percent exists in the business mm. and vice versa. And that, it, it, um, that was what, <laughs> that was a confronting moment for me <laughs> right because i looked at right and, and this is so easy for anyone that's listening right to, to look at hey the problems that exist all the problems that exist in your relationship guaranteed exist in the business hmm. and what are they guaranteed right communication issues 
um, inability to, you know, for your partner to feel heard, cared for, whatever it is. Um, there's so the list goes on and on, right? There's so many different things. I love it's it. Prof- it's profound. I tell, uh, I tell my players, they're 16 year old sophomore boys, basketball players. I say, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And I oftentimes need to hear it myself. Like I, I'm saying it for myself because I know yep. that, you know, how you show up in a relationship, how you show up to class, how you show up to practice, how you show up to a game, how you show up to your friends, you know, you're not, you, you can't create multiple versions of yourself. It's, it's exhausting. Right. And you end up defaulting to how you show up to do one thing is how you show up to do everything. So yeah. that, and, and it's so important to ask yourself the question of if you are able to catch yourself in a level of awareness in that moment of how something's going down, then you you're you owe it to yourself to ask, where else in my life am I also doing this? Mm. Right? Where else in my life am I also showing up in this? Right? Like pull up a life, like Google Life Wheel, pull up all the different aspects of life, right? Uh, relationships, finance, environment, house, um, health, um, and and so and business and um, um, you know charitable contributions, whatever. It's like where is this showing up in your world? And you will start, you know, because humans are such, um, you know, multi-dimensional people, yet we don't, it's it's hard to bring all those dimensions in the forefront and really hold awareness to how you're showing up to each of the different parts of you as well. Hmm. I'm pulling up life wheel right now, just to look at it. Yeah, what was that? Google life wheel? Life wheel, yeah. And it's got segments. Or or like life wheel exercise. Personal growth, health, social life, partnership. Yeah. So, so the idea of so I, I can go into this real quick. So the idea of life will exercise is you actually score yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you actually score yourself on a scale of one to ten in all these different areas, and you can choose what they are. So the idea is, well, if you're an eight here, six here, seven here, four here, three here, then and you try to actually roll this down a hill as and try to operate as a wheel, how effective is it as an actual wheel for your own life? And the answer is it's probably a very shitty wheel, right? Mm -hmm. So it's looking at, well, you know, can you bring awareness to the different aspects of your life and ask yourself, well, what would make it a 10? And of course it's never going to be a 10, but what would make it a 10? Because the moment that you hit that, then, you know, of course that bar raises and that's, that's growth. That's, that's the pursuit of human potential, right? I love it. Now now we're going to get distracted by the wheel of life here. Right. 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 Well, this we love to love to kind of take us back to to the present here, Zion. Um, you know, you've talked a little bit about this business that you're doing, um, executive assistants. You said you shifted from virtual assistant to executive assistant. Seems like uh, just kind of a name change. What 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 is the actual difference for you between virtual assistant and executive sure. uh, assistant? Easy enough for me to say. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Um, there's a positioning. So, so there's a positioning where there's a lot of VA companies out there. Sure. Right? Like, but when you think about hiring a VA, you're kind of thinking about a super entry level individual who's usually doing menial, mundane, repetitive tasks, right? Right. Um, whereas an executive assistant is someone who you're really working in partnership with that can help lead and manage you so that you can become way more effective uh, in terms of the way that you're operating and working from. So... Um, so when I think about it from that perspective, it's, uh, executive assistant can really help you hit your goals, help you hold, help hold you accountable to certain things. Whereas that's not necessarily always the case. 
Now, the biggest issue that um, we ran into or that, you know, the industry run, we run into it overall is, um, you know, what one person calls a VA, what one person calls an EA, what one person calls an executive assistant, it's all different, right? Everyone has vastly different standards for what this looks like, vastly different standards for uh, what the standard actually is. Um, you know, what, what kind of training do you have? And most of it's non-existent for most people have gone through it. Most people have just fallen into that role. And so most EAs, so when people are trying to hire experienced EAs, what you're actually receiving is the, ex the extent that they were effective based on the previous relationship with the last executive or the last entrepreneur that they work with. And, you know, and as you probably both know, entrepreneurs are the worst at fucking training people. Right. Yeah. They're the worst at training people, they're the worst at working with people, the most ADD humans ever, worst at giving feedback, all the things. So if you look if you look at the scope of the problem now, right, it's pretty significant. Yeah. Because who does like because you're number one, like if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Right. <laughs> um, and if that's true, then okay, then you probably don't and you probably don't value your time enough, or you're just unconscious to the fact that you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. So if that's true, then why are you not receiving the help, right? And so what we're trying to do is like, and what we are doing is creating a standard for, hey, this is what we believe this role in its, in its uh, best form actually looks like. And here's all the processes, all of the training, all the mentorship that's needed to properly move this person through the process so we can increase the success of that relationship and the effectiveness of that relationship in the shortest period of time possible. It's amazing. And then do it for the next role and the next role and the next role, right? So, but, you know, this one's the most intimate, right? It's the closest one to the CEO. It's the closest one where we can manipulate um, and influence their life in a positive regard, right? Like mm -hmm. we literally have a self-care part of our process where we put all your self-care items on your fucking calendar to make sure that you actually do it, right? It's like your date nights with your partner. If you're single, then you have date nights to look for, you know, if, if that's a desire for you right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, all your doctor's appointments, your haircuts, your manicures, your pedicures, um, your, you know, spa appointments, your massages, your therapists, everything gets booked first, mm -hmm. right? Time for yourself for reflection, your morning rituals, your evening rituals, your day, you know, all that gets booked first. And then, and then we build your business schedule around that. Hmm. Right? So once you have your family time and everything on there, then we start building it. So, you know, what's so it's, it's very exciting for me because yeah, like a lot of my clients are babies, right? A lot of my clients are, are um, just friends in general. And these are amazing humans, right? And I get to just help them just live and enjoy their life just a little bit more. Mm. Love and that's, you're, that's you're, you're providing them a resource, an actual person who's trained yes. Yes. that knows these things. They're coming yes. in and it's the entrepreneur who doesn't have to set the agenda. Like it's almost the assistants right. coming in going, all right, here's how we're going to make, like, you're going to schedule these things. It's almost like right. they're, they're adding a, a sense of authority, right? Coming with a sense of authority, not a sense of sub submission. Yeah. And this is why I mentioned that I couldn't have built this business before. Right, because what we've effectively done is layered in a staffing layer, with a consulting layer, with the yeah. training layer, with the mentorship layer, with an ongoing management layer, right? And that's the product. 
right? It's, it's, that's the product in its entirety, right? It's proven process on the best way to hold a one-on-one meeting on a weekly basis with your EA on how to design your perfect week, how to run meetings properly uh, inside your business, how to hold people accountable, how to follow up on things, right? Like, you know, we have projects. We have one to three projects a month that the EA can do on behalf of the team over the course of a year, right? So, you know, so there's a level of, um, and not to mention, like we've hired what, like 20, like we've hired 20 assistants in the last three months. Wow. (laughs) you know, and we're, we're obviously just getting started and, you know, we're, we're really refining. We're not trying to grow too fast. Right. Cause that's the other shit is I was so hell bent on wanting to grow fast that I'm like, fuck it, like let's scale. And you know, it's like, why, right? Like we got some time here. Give us, love- give us an idea. How do, how do people find like website resources? Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm pretty active on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, not more Facebook than Instagram. Uh, Instagram is Zion K20. Uh, Facebook, you just look me up, Zion Kim. You can find a lot of my posts there. Um, we have developed a training, um, and it's a you know it's a free training video where I basically teach you how your assistant can take over your email inbox for you, mm. right? And and how they can you know so basically you just come in, you answer what's priority, and then you go out. Right. And you only check once a day. Um, so this training I can give for free. Um, it's tools.atlasassistance.com slash inbox dash zero. Um, I'm sure we can make an easier link, but you know, but that's, I'm sure that's, we, I'm sure <laughs> that's where it is right now. <laughs> uh, that, that's where it is right now. Um, you know, and yeah, and that's that's uh it's honestly something that it's it's the first step in our process for how we help optimize people's worlds. It's just like it's shit that you shouldn't be doing, right? It's mm-hmm. literally things that are, um, you know, one of my favorite things that I, I heard in a book, um, I, I'm reading a buy back your time by Dan Martel right now. And you know, he says, you can't build a $10 million company doing $10 an hour tasks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our company is the one that takes care of a lot of these like 10 to $20 an hour tasks. Right. So that's, that's effectively where we're at right now. Awesome. Well, Zion, this is going to go down for me, one of my favorite interviews. Um, I, I so appreciate the comparison of, the, the, you know, that there's no separation between life and relationships and business and entrepreneurship. They're, these are not compartmentalized things like we like to think. They are just all intertwined. And I so appreciate your sharing your intimate story of, of um, your, your journey. Um, so, so appreciative of this. Would you give us one minute because I'm a martial arts fan? Would you tell us one minute about your, your samurai training? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in high school, I was a black belt in something called Kumdo, uh, which basically is just like the martial art for swordsmanship, right? Okay. Um, like the uniform looks like it's a samurai uniform with like yeah. the baggy pants, the, yeah. the vest, the belts, the the sheath and everything. So for my black belt test, um, I had to kneel in front of two candles with a wooden katana. Ooh. And you basically, um, you know, bring up the katana to your back and you swing down and you have to stop the katana right where the candle is and blow out the candle Ooh. without hitting it. Otherwise you fail. Right. So that's like one cool thing on, on this kind of stuff. Um, and the other side 
uh, was a demonstration that uh, I did where, you know, you basically throw up a potato and you unsheath and all in one swing, like as you throw the potato, you, you know, you swing and cut the potato all in one mm. swing, right? Um, blindfolded. Oh my. So, um, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I practiced a lot of that type of stuff um, where there's also like candles, um, you know, on, on like a, it's, it's almost like a huge menorah where it's just like a massive candle holder where you just have like these candles all lined up and you just have to focus on doing like one horizontal clean swing with your sword to then put out all the, the candles, same thing horizontally. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that, uh, that kind of stuff that, you know, it's really just based on discipline and focus and precision. Um, you know, but that was, that was a, a lot of fun. Right. Um, and yeah. And there's, you know, other shit where, uh, there's like, you know, certain forms, like a lot of martial arts have different forms. Uh, and there's one where you dive, right. You dive. And the idea is you dive and you cut in like what's in front of you. Right. And then, but that goes into, um, uh, a roll. So you literally have a sword in a sheath while you're diving in the air and then you roll and then you land back uh, on your, um, you know, on your feet down uh, in a crouch position. And the first time I always did it, I almost like stabbed myself with a sword, <laughs> like going in. Um, like the fact that I haven't is shocking to me, right? <laughs> yeah, um, disemboweled yourself. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, but that's, that's just a couple of quick fun, fun things that uh, I, I learned how to do back then. <laughs> well, that's, that's a conversation I would love to have at another time. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, Zion, thank you so much. Uh, I so look forward to seeing you. I don't know if you're attending any uh, events this year. Yeah. Hopefully back, back to the Island. In, Perfect. In okay, good. Um, I'd love to continue this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, you're very you. welcome. Uh, everyone, please go check out Zion's resources that he mentioned. And uh, again, thank you. And we look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.